GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Welcome, friends and fans, to another edition of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. And today, we are going back to Gotham City in the year 2039 with two incredibly talented guests from the award-winning series Batman Beyond. So without further ado, let's head on down to the Batcave and see who we find. Our first guest is an actor whose body of work includes Kim Possible, Transformers, Robots in Disguise, and of course, Boy Meets World. Today joins us to discuss the, playing the voice of Terry McGinnis, a.k.a. the second Batman. Please welcome back the always awesome Will Friedel. Hey, how are ya? Hey, how are you, young man? I'm good, thank you. Second Batman, I like that. Yes, yes, yes. You know, it's like, oh, the Batman, second Batman, OG Batman. Yeah, we'll just call it the second Batman. So I like good. that. Yeah, Dave. Will, how are you, man? I'm good. How you doing? It's been a while. I know, I know, indeed. See, yeah, we're holding the line over here. Again, the world is slowly getting a little bit back to normal. Everything on else, we're good. We're doing live shows again. Next year, we got more planned out. So, yeah, yeah, we are... Science and technology is 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 getting us back to where we almost were. Yes, I know. Thank uh, thank God for that. Right? Yeah, we're we're starting to do some conventions and stuff like that, and getting out in the world again. So very very happy. Absolutely, and I am so happy that uh, you're here today. I'm happy that our second guest is here today. Let me bring him out. Let's get on into this this show so dear to my heart as well as our audience. He is an actor whose body of work includes Kennedy, Tour of Duty, and Dynasty. Today, he joins us to discuss the role of billionaire socialite Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. the original Batman. Please welcome back our friend Kevin Conroy. Hey, how are you? Good to be here. Oh, good to have you back, Kevin. How you been? The original Batman, I think that was Adam West, wasn't it? That was, well, the, Batman. That was the Batman that I grew up with. It's true. In, in the in the context of the show continuity, we're going that way. But yes, we. you know, you know I love me some Adam West as much as you. Yeah, I loved I loved Adam. He was wonderful. Oh yes, and yeah, yeah you got got to the gray the gray ghost. He was he was amazing. There was this wonderful incident that happened. I think Will knows about this. Adam and I, our paths crossed at the Salt Lake City, or you know, between cons or something. And so we were sitting there on a bench at the Salt Lake City Airport, just schmoozing, and people started looking, and people started realizing. First, they, they recognized him immediately, and then they saw me, and they're like, oh, my God, it's Batman and Batman. So <laughs> cameras came out, and crowds started forming. It was a very funny scene. It was a an, an unscripted scene at an airport. It was great. Yeah, we had fun. We, he came on Kim Possible, and we did a Batman Beyond takeoff where he t he's the fearless ferret, and he has to have a new apprentice fearless ferret. We did a full Batman Beyond ripoff on an episode of Kim Possible. It was great. He ca and he came on and did the fearless ferret. That's awesome. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, I, I got to introduce him to uh, a stage once, and we had a delightful chat backstage. And yeah, I agree. He was absolutely genuine, and he just he loved being a part of this, and he absolutely loved the fandom. When I first met him, when he first came on as the Grey Ghost, it was it was kind of intimidating to me because I, you know, I grew I grew up with him as Batman. And when you're when you're sort of treading on someone else's territory as an actor, you feel like, ooh, this is a little, you know, weird. And he sensed that in me. And he said, Hey, you know, I had a great time doing it. It's your term now run with it, have a blast. It was such a generous, it was such a generous uh, gesture on his part. And we had so much fun working together after that. But that's what you did for me. I mean, you did that exact same thing for me. We had that conversation the yeah, first and beyond. Right. But I think that's just, that just makes sense. I mean, you don't get to own a role. You just get to rent it for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then someone else comes along and rents it. 
Yeah. Um, so I was happy when you came in because it meant that I had another show. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Andrea Romano told me about Batman Beyond. She said, the good news is you've got a new show. We've got a new show. And of course, we want you to be, you know, on it. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. She said, you'll be Bruce Wayne. And I said, and? <laughs> <laughs> and said, we no, start off with stops. You'll be Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? What's happening? She said, you're going to have a younger new Batman. I said, younger? <laughs> I'm not old. I can still do it. Oh. It's such a brutal, brutal city, Hollywood, you know. I think you were, I, I think I'm older now than you were when we did Beyond. I think you, yes, you are. Yeah, yeah. So time flies. Time yes. flies, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. So that, that was going to be an opener question. Uh, Kevin, I think, yeah, you were already in the family, so to speak. And and mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've heard you say that before. So, well, we're going to do this new show. Uh, but Will, you had to come in and you auditioned. I believe you strategically did two voices, one for Terry and one for what you interpreted your Batman as. I did. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, my getting, just getting the audition was, was frankly luck. I mean, Bruce Tim's wife was a big fan of Boy Meets World, which I was on at the time. And when they knew they were casting a, a, a young Batman, she said, Oh, you should bring in Will for this role. And I went in and I read and in my head, what I always thought was, you know, one of the things that was so amazing about, especially Kevin's Batman, who was my Batman growing up, um, was the voice was the gravelly gravitas of how does not not going to scare the, the the hell out of every criminal that you stop and how is this 17 year old kid going to be able to pull off that same kind of uh, uh, of fear in all of these criminals so in my head it was him disguising the fact that he was young by by deepening the voice and so it was more the mythical batman ethos as opposed to you know this 17 year old kid going hey stop you know my, nobody's yeah. gonna do that which which again was kind of i was such a fan of, of of the original batman series and everything that they've done that when you went back to mask of the phantasm and all these things and and, and then when you got more into year one and things like that where there's a great scene that kevin recorded in in one of these things where it was it was Bruce Wayne's first night out and he had yet yeah. to dress up as Batman. So he didn't have the fear behind it. He had the skill, but he didn't have just it, the instinctual fear behind it. And uh, I wanted that same kind of moment for Terry where he kind of realized where it's like, I better, you know, I better deepen up the voice and try to sound cool or this is never going to work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it worked out yeah. for that. I think I was one of the only people that did that. And I think that's, that worked out for the role. So I was very lucky. I would absolutely concur. And yeah, on, on Kevin's earlier point and to yours, I mean, this role and this character and the mythology behind it, it's, you know, it's, it's like Shakespeare. It's like Sherlock Holmes. It's just a fantastic ongoing character. And one of the things that I love about both you gentlemen and what you brought to the role is that you treated it as a responsibility as well as a gig. You really understood that this character is a big deal to a lot of people and you absolutely did it right for anyone and everyone who, who did these roles before you. And you certainly kept the bar very, very high for everybody who's going to do it after. Well, I think that tone was, I think that tone was set early on from the very beginning by Bruce Tim and Eric Rogomsky and, and yeah. Paul Dini, um, Alan Burnett, the whole creative team, they never were talking down to the audience. Mm -hmm. um, it was never seen as a kid's show. It had to be kid friendly because that was part of the audience. But it was written on lots of different levels. The characters, Bruce Wayne is a complicated character. That's what makes him so much fun for actors to play. And even the villains, I mean, Joker and uh, Two-Face and all of them are so complicated. There's the 
the entertaining aspect of them, you know, the fun kind of cops and robbers aspect of the shows that would appeal to kids. But then there were those psychodramas going on that were on a whole different level. So the biggest audience when Batman the Animated Series started back in 92 was actually like college age. That was a huge part of the audience because it was a primetime show on Fox. (laughs) Um, so, So I think the producers set that tone early on of, of real respect for the material, respect for the characters, respect for the audience, you know? Yeah, very much so. There are, you know, it's, there's, there's different camps when it comes to superheroes, the quote unquote superheroes. And there's those people that think they're, it's a bit childish and they are, you know, it's comic books, they're for kids. And then there's the people like Bruce, Tim, like Paul Dini, like all those people who look at it like it's American mythology. These are our heroes these are these i mean this is zeus this is apollo these are it has the gravitas of the ancient roman gods and the people that look at it that way are thankfully the people that were in charge of batman beyond batman the animated series justice league shows like that where i mean that's that's big american mythology so when they come at it from that angle it became the show that it did which is uh, when 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 i first went into audition and i think will had this experience too of it being the first animated show you audition for. So it's yep. like, uh, uh, it's just one in a million chance that this would happen to an actor. It just doesn't happen very often that way. Usually you go on dozens and dozens and dozens of auditions before you get a job. To walk in and have the first thing you audition for in an animated capacity be be, be the, the brass ring yeah. doesn't happen. No. Uh, oddly, it happened for both of us involving Batman. But when I went in, in 91, when I auditioned for it, 30 years ago when I was a child. Bruce Tim said, you know, what's your experience with, with Batman? And I said, well, I know the Adam West show from the 60s. That's what I saw when I was a kid. And he said, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. We love Adam. We love Adam, but that's not what we're doing. He said, don't you know the, the Dark Knight stories? Didn't you read comic books when you were a kid? I said, no, I, I don't know anything about that. He said, what kind of childhood did you have? <laughs> I remember he was so shocked. He said, you never read those comic books as a child? So he, he, you know, he said, no, his parents were murdered in front of him as a child in Crime Alley. He spent his life avenging their deaths. He, he lives this dual identity. He's a, he's a tortured, fractured person. And I said, well, you're telling the classic story. This is, this is like... Orestes. This is like Hamlet. This is what's. This is a story that's been told before in a very classic sense. Mm-hmm. So they they always approached it from a very classic sense and a, yeah. and a, a heroic sense. They were going against that '60s cartoony version that had that had taken over. Yeah, I, I remember when I was talking to Andrea about because I, I, I think even Andrea Romano, who was Andrea Romano. I mean, you just have yeah. to know her and work with her. Yeah. yeah. But I remember saying to her one time when she said, oh, you know, we were happy to have you. I said, you don't understand. I don't think you get who you are and what this is. Where I said to her, I said, for for an actor, especially coming into the animated world, working with you, working with Bruce, working with Kevin, working with all these people, it's the equivalent of having never done an on-camera job and now you're starring in a Steven Spielberg movie. Right. It's just, it's, it is, it doesn't get any bigger. And she kind of looked at me, she went, well, it's not really, I said, no, Andre, you don't understand working with you. It's, that's what it is. You are, you're hitting it out of the park with one swing. So it was, it was one of those things where I, to this day, am convinced I'm still going to be fired every time I do it. <laughs> Don't you think someone's <laughs> going to tap you on the back and say, excuse me, there's been a mistake made. Exactly. 
exactly, exactly. You're not supposed to be here. No, exactly. Well, you think, I mean, again, I, we did Return of the Joker. I'm sitting in between Kevin and Mark Hamill for like a week and a half. And I, in my head, I just kept going, just keep your mouth shut. Just keep your mouth shut. Because if you say anything, you're going to be fired. They, they're going to know you don't belong here. Just We'd already done three seasons of the show. But I was like, they're, right. they're going to know. They're going to know. <laughs> just keep your mouth shut. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's the whole thing is surreal. Yeah. And, and, and of that, too, it was... Because again, I know this was it came from above. They told they told Tim, "Well, we want to do a young Batman, so make it happen." And he was uh, back against the walls, like, "Oh well, uh, we could throw him in the future." And then they're like, "Yeah, that's great. Go ahead and do that." And then they had to, to throw this all together. And again, one thing I really loved about it was it was it really felt like a natural and a good continuation of uh, of the series. Nothing ever really felt forced. The balance was correct. It wasn't, it wasn't, okay, here's Penguin Jr. Here's Riddler Jr. No, there were some great references to the old rogues gallery, but Terry had his own rogues and it just stood very well. And of course, Kevin, I, I think was some of the best work that you really done from the, the perspective of, of Bruce Wayne at that point in his life. It was so much fun to play that aspect of him after, you know, so many years of playing the powerful um, hero to then transition into the sort of King Lear moment of the character where he is relinquishing his power. He realizes he can't do it anymore, but he still has inside of him that fire yeah. to rule, to lead, but his body just won't do it anymore. Yeah. So that, that just brought a whole new dimension to me for the character. Yeah, it was yeah, fun. That and that, that shot was... in the no, first episode when when he resorts to the gun and oh. that's a master that's a masterwork of, of of animation that scene right there and then just the the so we were i remember the we we finished it it was all done and warner brothers was having a screening of it on the warner brothers lot and they have this beautiful little theater there and so they invited us all to come out we hadn't actually hadn't seen that incredible opening title sequence didn't know what to expect and I was sitting near Bruce and Bruce were all kind of sitting there watching and it's that incredible shot you're talking about. And then it goes to Kevin saying never again and shutting off the, the, the lights in the Batcave. And then that incredible new futuristic opening theme song starts. And we get about 15, not even 10 minutes into the, the episode because they showed Rebirth 1 and 2 together. Mm -hmm. And I see people standing up and walking out. And I'm like, this is incredible. Why are people leaving? And I asked Bruce at the end, he goes, those are the Warner Brothers executives. They wanted a teen-friendly Batman, and this is what I gave them. So uh. 10 minutes into the screening, 15 minutes into the screening, we're watching people get up and walk out, and I could see Bruce just kind of like almost with a smile on his face. And he's like, those are all the executives. You're just kidding. He's like, they want a teen Batman. He's a teenager, technically. I mean, there's a lot of beyond. That's he's darker he's a the teenager. Movie. There's a dog. Yeah. There's a dog. Yeah. We told we told you we put in a dog. Well, there's the dog. But it was. You'd see him one by one just popping up from their seats and walking out. And you just saw Bruce watching and then looking back with a little smile on his face. Like that's that's it was it was an incredible thing to see. It really oh, was. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's fantastic. But hey, you know, two Annie Awards, a numerous, you know, day, daytime Emmy nominations, three seasons and continuation as well into Justice League Unlimited which was fantastic because you can put you in there, the Justice League, and it had, had Gavin had Batman in his prime meeting Bruce Wayne at the tail end. And that's, again, that was some of my favorite work that you've done. Yeah. Look, it's been just, you know, this whole trip, and I know Will, Will feels this way too, has just been incredible to be a part of this franchise. 
and no one owns the role. You you get to rent it, like I said earlier. And like Dietrich Bader's been doing it recently. We're personal friends. I love what he does with the role. He's a wonderful Batman. Yeah. Um, Jason O'Mara did it for a while. Yeah. Troy, yeah. Baker, Troy Baker has yeah. done it. Reno Romano did it. Yeah. Everyone brings their own nuance to the character. You know, each each actor brings a little different nuance. What Like the live action Batmans, I thought it was insane when they didn't use Michael Keaton after the first uh, live action Batman. I thought, well, he's going to get the franchise now and he's fantastic. And, I, and then they didn't use him. I thought, what's going on? But then when I saw what each step, each subsequent actor brought to it, and it was so interesting to sort of anticipate what they would bring to it. Yeah. I realized what they were doing and it made so much sense. Well, it's like James Bond. It's like you never yeah, know. It's like James Bond, yeah. Yeah, you just you never know what they're going to bring. There's a some people are going to be a little funnier. Some people like yeah. that was the thing about you know Dietrich on on Brave and the Bold. It's like he was right. it, it was great. You know, he was, the, was sitting there with him, and he just even just watching the way he worked compared to the way you were completely different kind of uh, styles of acting. But it's it all just lends to the the glory of Batman. It sounds yeah. so ridiculous, and, and it's, but it's well, true. It's interesting to see what yeah. different people bring to it. You know. Yeah. That's but and that I, was one of the things I lucked out on is because I I didn't have big shoes to fill because there'd never been a Terry. So I right. didn't have to be Bruce. You know, it was one of those things where, hey, the worst case scenario to everyone hated my performance, hated Terry, and it would have been a blip in the Batman history and nobody would have mentioned it again. But you know, someday somebody else will play Terry, whether live right. action or animation, it's gonna happen because the character took off. So there's always it's it's nice to know you've put your you put your stamp on it. You're, you know, is very humble guy. So he talks about all the other voiceover actors that have played Batman, and there are some marvelously wonderful actors and yeah. friends that we all know that have played Batman. Everybody knows Kevin's animated Batman is the pinnacle of of Bruce Wayne oh. animated Batman. But we do. Yeah. I mean, it's yes. you know, but it's true. It's it it's one of those things you right. say this all the time, and it's very true. People do rent the the, the character. You've got a long term rental. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin had a lease. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Know, you. It's true, though. It's one of those things where there's different levels of it, and Kevin is certainly at the pinnacle of that. And I don't think uh, I'm misstepping, and I don't think there's any Dietrich or Roger Craig Smith or Troy or any of these people would would disagree with that. So yeah, there's different different levels of doing. Like you know, there's a thousand incredibly wonderful actors out there that have played the Joker, animated live action. Oh yeah. Mark's got kind of the pinnacle of the Joker. I mean, even the, the live action Jokers reference Mark Hamill's Joker. I mean, there are certain yeah. people that play it at a different level. And that's, you know, Batman the Animated Series, especially, it really changed the whole ball game when it came to not only the look of animated series, the feel of animated series, but the acting behind animated series. That really was was just, it It changed everything. It really did. It, that That show changed the course of animation history. So I love, I love how they change the look though for Batman Beyond, don't you? Yeah. I yeah. think they segued into that modernist look. I thought it was really smart and it gives that show such a unique look. It, and the way they, so when I would hear them speak about it, you, Glenn Murakami and all the kind of men and women behind it talking about it, what they said was, which I thought was very cool. And again, this is the way their mind works. It's first of all, Bruce always says Batman Beyond is 50 years from now, whenever now is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we say it's 2039, but right now it's not. It's 50 years from 2021. So the thing they were talking about was a, a city can only sprawl so far. And then eventually what they have to do is you just have to grow up. 
So that's what they did with Batman Beyond was all the elevators, you know, started going up higher and the buildings were higher and the, the city grew up as opposed to out. So there's a kind of that futuristic, they, they call it the Neo-Gotham, almost Akira-esque kind of look yeah. to the show where they took it. It was weird. They took the city anime, but then the characters and the acting didn't go anime. It was a great kind of combination yeah. between the two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was cool. It was very cool. Very much so. Very much so. One thing I just want to touch on real quick, and uh, we'll go to our audience questions. Was again the 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 Joker, and uh, what was your guys' perspective on the slight kerfluffle at the time, which was a big deal to us when we heard, oh, they cut the movie out, so there's like missing scenes and everything else, and then the fans were clamoring for, are we gonna get the unrated version, which we did. But that was a big deal for us at the time, and that was actually helped out by the boom of the DVD market, which was uh, too. So, do you guys have any uh, perspective on that when that went down? Will I just remember even recording it, kind of going, "I can't believe we're going to do this." <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was the sequence that the sequence of going back where it starts with the Joker, and then it's the old time film clip of Robin being tortured. I mean, flat out tortured is disturbing i mean that yeah. it's a it is a disturbing foot piece of piece of animation um and the idea that then you went to just this mur you know the murder that has to have it's the whole thing is so crazy that i remember recording it going there's no way i mean there's no yeah. way that we're going to be able to do this i think kevin you and i talked in the room where it's yeah. just like i I don't see how this is going to happen. And this is before now kind of there, there's, there's a push to do PG 13 and R rated animated yeah. movies. This was not then. No. So we, we, I didn't think there was any chance. And then of course, when we get the call several, cause you know, everything takes months and months and months in animation. So you get a call seven months later going, we've got to record, re-record some stuff here and we're cutting this and we're doing that. Um, I wasn't surprised, frankly at all. I'm yeah. very glad the, the, the uncut version came out. But it was as we were recording it, we were just going, this is, this is nuts. I mean, this is, yeah. it was, it was, I keep using the word, but it's true. It was disturbing. I mean, it really was. I think there's a general sense in the room that the way we were recording it was not the way it was going to be. That there was going to have to be changes made. Just, it was so, it was so on the edge um, that it felt like it was going over the edge. But it was, it was exciting to do for everybody. But, uh, but there was a sense, I think, that this was going to change. It was also, it wasn't just the darkness of it, but as a, as a fan of the animated series, this was the pinnacle. This was it. This was the last fight between Batman and the Joker. And he wasn't even calling him Batman at the time. He was calling him Bruce. So it was between yeah. Bruce and the Joker. And you were, as a fan, going, oh, this is it. This is this is why he's no longer, what, what happened? What happened? What happened? And so to get it there, and I remember, I just, I'll never forget in the room with you, Kevin, you and Mark going, and you have that line where you just say, I'm going to break you in two. And it was so visceral. And then Mark going, you know, I think he said something like, oh, if Brucey, if you had that in you, you would have done it years ago. And you realize, yeah. it's, where do you go from here with this standout? It was just, yeah. you're sitting in the room. It was electric. It was truly a magical moment that then we finished and went, there's no way they can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way. But it was, it was just these two men who had been, the actors, Kevin and Mark, who yeah. had been adversarial actors against each other for years. And yeah. this was the final scene. It was awesome. Awesome. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely agreed. Well, gentlemen, as always, thank you for indulging my capricious curiosity. Let's go ahead and hit our audience questions. And our first one comes from Pierre. 
who wants to know, ah, do you both of you have a favorite villain from Batman's rogues gallery? And of course, classic Batman and, and Terry's uh, rogues are all on the table. Well, it's obvious for me who the favorite would be. It's it's Mark Hamill. It's the Joker because I think Batman and the Joker are kind of the yin and yang of each other. They 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 define each other. It's almost as if one wouldn't exist without the other. And this that evolved as we played it over time because Mark is such a generous actor and he gives you so much in the room. And the more you give him, the more he gives back. And he. He loves watching other actors work. He's a great appreciator of, of the creative process in the room. He's very generous. So it just grows and grows and grows. And there would be times when Andrea Romano would come in and say, okay, I've got to separate you two for a few minutes. It's like 12-year-olds in here. You guys are out of control. <laughs> it would just get crazy. So I think definitely, definitely for me, it would be uh, – the joke mark i actually have two i have three but two i'll, I'll, I'll narrow it to two i like shriek because i love the idea of working yes. with sound and when we got to do the one scene where shriek shuts off all the sound and it's a battle scene it's a fight scene that's done in a factory but now it's silent was was really interesting to do but i thought in a way the scariest of the rogues gallery for terry was curare because she never spoke I don't think she had a line in the three episodes that she did, which made her so creepy to me, where she's coming to kill you, she kills everybody she puts her mind to, and she's never going to say a word. That always freaked me out a little bit. So I thought there was something kind of very deadly about her. Absolutely. All right, go for the, go for the third. What's the third? The third to me is Ink, because I, I, I loved what they did with the Ink character, and I loved, yeah. to me, Ink was, was Clayface. So there was, that's yeah. one of the things Bruce did very well, or Bruce Tim did very well, is he would take... The, the attributes he loved of the old rogues gallery, instead of doing Clayface Jr., they came up with Ink, which was an entirely different character, but with the same kind of properties. And I thought, so stuff like that, I thought was pretty cool. There you go, there you go. The other, the, there's one other villain in, in, in my realm that I loved was Mr. Freeze. Mm. Because I think largely because of the performance of Michael Ansara. Yeah. He was such a passionate actor. And he, there was such pathos in in him as and he as evil as he was you cared for him your heart broke for his trying to save his wife so it was it was wonderful working with him absolutely yeah. awesome i think one of my personal favorites will be david warner as rachel ghoul oh yeah yeah just especially what he did with talia and batman beyond i was like i did not see that there are two things i did i never would have seen coming the Rachel Ghoul episode of Batman Beyond and the Mr. Freeze episode of Batman Beyond when he was just a spider head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That died beyond. And Pierre, thank you. Great question. What do we have next? Here's one of Anthony. If you could add or take away something from your character in Batman Beyond, what would it be? Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Wow. Hmm. I I don't know if I would add or take anything away. I mean, it's an interesting question. I've never thought of that. Because there's things about Terry that I think he learned. You know, parents, children often learn from their parents what to be, but they also learn what not to be. And I think Terry looked at Bruce and they addressed this later, but it was one of those kind of, Terry had a better sense of humor. Terry had a girlfriend. Terry had 
tried to have a life outside of being Batman. And I think he learned by watching Bruce what not to be. And that gave him different layers than than Bruce. So I don't know. We also, by the time we left Terry, he was like in his early 20s. So, I, you know, I don't know if I would add or take anything away yet. Yeah, I think yeah. with Bruce, probably, I mean, what, 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 what he wants is the physical ability and agility to do what he did when he was younger. But you, you couldn't add that to the character because that would take the drama away from Batman Beyond. I mean, that's the whole drama. It's based on the fact that he can't do that anymore. His limitations are his greatest frustration. And what makes Batman and Bruce Wayne so wonderful is that he has no superpowers. So I wouldn't want to wish for superpowers because that would negate the character. I don't know if there is anything I could add to Bruce Wayne at that point without destroying the drama of what makes Batman Beyond happen. His, because it's all about his limitations, his inability to do these things anymore. So I don't know if there's, I, I struggled yeah. with what I could add. It, it, yeah, uh, Anthony, you kind of stumped all three of us. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would have, I would have, I would have liked to have seen what happened to Dick Grayson. I would have liked to have seen an, a, an adult Nightwing or something kind of show up at some point. But otherwise, yeah, I can't. Anthony, you stumped us. Good job. <laughs> and thank you for that one. If we could, we, if anybody has an answer, a follow up for it, we'll put throw it in later. So what do we have next? And from TDR1411, if you could do a crossover with your characters with any other DC or beyond or any type of fandom character, who would it be and why? Wow. I think it would be very interesting because, again, going simply by age, I think Terry at 17 and Peter Parker at 17 or 18 would be a very interesting comment. You know, young Batman and young Spider-Man together, I think, would be a very interesting combo of the two. We, it, it, to make it more feasible, we could squeeze uh, a Terry and Blue Beetle. In the same, yeah, I mean, again, and, and I'd want to just because I'm partial because the, the role that I played in in Brave and the Bold, Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle would be it would be pretty cool. Ted Cord would be great, but I think the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle and uh, and Terry McGinnis could be a pretty cool yeah. combination as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it might be interesting to have Batman do a crossover with with Wolverine because in many ways they're they're so similar. Their their powers are there. I, I just find them in their identity, very similar. So that'd be an interesting conflict, I think. It, it's it, it's interesting because whenever Marvel and DC have crossed over in the comics, occasionally over the decades, it's always been something they've been really afraid of doing. They've never wanted to put Wolverine and Batman the same thing. They're okay, Batman and Captain America and some of the other ones, but they've always been hesitant because yeah. they just don't know. It would be interesting to do. Exactly, I think they're afraid of like, how would we get them together? and satisfy fans of both sides of the equation. Well, Batman's one of those characters, though, the Bruce Wayne Batman especially, that works, that the bizarre crossovers work really, really well. Yes. Um, I saw a short once that somebody did that they put a ton of money into. I wish I knew the filmmaker's name. I don't. But it was Batman versus Alien versus the Predator. Yes. And it shouldn't have worked, and it was awesome. Batman I mean, dead end. Is it was that kind of, Yeah, it was kind of the first fan film that really got people excited and it was before it was before youtube so people were like going to the, the deep web to get copies of it and everything else but uh yeah but yeah. seeing batman there at the end he's holding the batarangs in one in each hand and you've got the predator approaching i mean it was the, the coolest thing in the world you're like you'd never match them up and it was great yeah that was really cool 
next time you watch it, when you see it from the Predator's vision, notice that he's using the thermal vision. Yeah. Batman is cool. He's not radiating heat because he's like, all right, bring it on. That's all. Yeah, very cool. The, Love the ninja, the cool ninja. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. TDR, one for 11. Thank you. That was a fun one. From Steve. Is there a classic Batman villain you wished had shown up on Batman Beyond? Hmm. I would I think it would be and again it's a, it was originally what they were going to do for the second film but then we did it in epilogue and they made it Amanda Waller it was originally going to be Selena Kyle that gets Terry cloned that that gets that that clones Bruce really yeah so Bruce Timm has, has spoken about this in a number of different places okay. where that was the kind of the original my cracks. Okay. original story was going to be Selena keeping Bruce keeping Batman alive. So oh. I think seeing older Bruce Wayne with older Selena Kyle and the, the relationship they would have with Terry would have been very interesting. Yeah, yeah. that would have been interesting. Almost who like was, who played Selena on, on the animated series? Adrian um, Barbo. Adrian Barbo. She was wonderful. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Yeah, see, I knew I knew in that storyline, Selena was going to be involved, but I thought she was, I didn't know she was going to be the hands-on thing. Yeah, pretty sure. Thing. I could yeah, be okay. speaking out of turn, but I've, I've heard him tell the story before. I'm pretty sure it was supposed <laughs> to be her kind of keeping everything going. Well, you know, I've been, I've been trying to... I've been trying to get with get with Paul for years, so hopefully I'll add that to the, my thousands of questions I have for him. Two-Face would have been interesting on um, Harvey Dent on, yeah. um, on Batman Beyond. Yeah, he's such a complicated character. I love that character. Very much so. It there, were no, there were no superficial Batman villains. They all had no. these rich kind of storylines yeah. where, you know, you get and I'm not bashing anybody. I'm a big fan of Marvel, too. I really am. But occasionally a Marvel villain comes up and you're like, yeah, there's not really much to that villain. It's a bad guy. And DC didn't have a lot of those. DC, especially when it came to the Batman rogues gallery, they were all very rich kind of villains. It was it was cool. Yeah. Yep, they definitely had a hook. I would. It's funny. I, I talked about this before. I was said like I would have wanted to have seen a Batman Beyond version of the Ventriloquists. Oh yeah. And what would it have been? Would it still be the dummy? Would it have been a giant robot? Would it have you know with what's it? So there's yeah, toy man kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you know this yeah. is there's again it's very fertile. Things are gonna yeah. happen. And Steve, thank you, great question, and a reminder to our audience: if you'd like to chat with our guests, like I am now, or get yourself an autograph, please sign up at galaxycon.com and let's roll another one. And here's one from Jason. Ah, what got each of you into voice acting? Luck. Yeah, that's my answer. It's true. Luck. I I think like. Like Will, I kind of stumbled into it. So I don't think when people ask me, how do you get into voice acting? I said, well, not the way I did. Um, <laughs> you've got to find another way. Because I was a, you know, a stage actor in New York. And when you are doing theater in New York, you, you learn pretty quickly that you have to have something else to supplement your income. Because the theater just doesn't pay a lot, even if you work all the time. So a lot of New York actors do commercials because Madison Avenue is based in New York. And you can do them during the day when you're doing your play at night. And I found the niche in the commercial world that I fit into was the voiceover world. So I was doing commercial voiceovers in New York when I was doing plays off Broadway or, or on Broadway. And then when I went to LA to, to do a, a series, a, a few episodes of a new series 
uh, my voiceover agent is the one who sent me over to Warner Brothers and said, well, you know, I know you don't do animation, but give this a shot. So it was kind of, you know, a bank shot that got me into my first animated voice audition. And that's that's not the way it usually happens. I was much the same where it's just it was very lucky to be called in to, to audition for Batman Beyond. And then I have yet to hear any actor I've ever met in my life that has done anything animated that then doesn't fall madly in love with it. It is just such a pure and wonderful form of acting. Yeah, that, yeah you don't ever nobody walks out and goes like, well, I don't I don't see myself doing that again. You just you don't you just go. Ah, let me do more of these. Let me do more of these. And then you just jump into the world. It's phenomenal says the guy talking to us right now from his home studio. Yeah, exactly, 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 yeah, right. <laughs> In my Batman Beyond chair. Yes. Cool, very cool. Yes. I've got a full Batman Beyond chair with a bat cape. I don't know if you can tell here. He's the full cape. Paul, blow him up. That. That's great. Oh, yeah. That's wonderful. Yep, so it's very important, very important here in the cave. Yeah, there you go. There you have it, Jason. Great question. I think we have time for one more, maybe two. Let's see what we have next. Here's one from Jim Stone. Oh, we, would you drive, or perhaps pilot, it might be a better term, the Batmobile from Batman Beyond? Heck yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Things of course. Also, yeah, yeah. It, it also led to one of my all-time favorite lines from the series, being chased after by Superman. Like I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. How fast does this thing go? Mach 3. Well, you say it. Is that faster than a speeding bullet? Yeah. <laughs> One of the great, I was, I was going to say that exact same line. Such a cool moment. Yeah. And uh, that was also, I think Bruce said, that moment in the show is the first time they ever had, and I could be wrong, but I believe Bruce said this, the first time they ever had Superman flying like this. Because he's coming after the Batmobile. He's not He's not flying uh, horizontally. He's flying yeah. vertically. And he said it's the first time we ever animated Superman like that to show how fast he was. Like, I don't even have to go like this to catch you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, very, very much so. Jim Stone, thank you. Uh, let's, let's do one more. This uh, 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 Amy wants to know, does anybody have any special plans for Thanksgiving? Kevin, what are you doing? Everybody does. I am uh, I'm in New York. And I have a lot of family around the New York area, cousins, you know, Irish immigrants to New York. So there are a lot of cousins and I'm going up to uh, their house. And so I'll, I'll be with cousins on Thanksgiving. My, my wife loves to cook. She's a big fan of cooking, a huge fan of Thanksgiving. It is by far her favorite holiday. And we are having a bunch of family over and she just bought a 9,000 pound turkey today. $9,000. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Could you believe the price of meat right now? It's insane. Everything. Everything is expensive. We, we drove by a, a gas station the other day. Gas is over $6 a gallon in, person, in certain places. Oh, in man. So it is absolutely crazy. But yeah, we, we're feeding a bunch of people this Thursday. So she's already excited. Got our lists out and all that. She loves this. That's stuff. awesome. <laughs> Thanks for asking, Amy. Absolutely, Amy. Thank you on that. And GalaxyCon viewers, this has been my time with the cast of Batman Beyond, but it absolutely does not have to be yours. If you'd like to chat with our guests like I have today or purchase a personalized autograph, please sign up at GalaxyCon.com. And while you're there, we invite you to check out our schedule of upcoming events just like this one. Kevin, Will, this is an absolute delight. Any final words for our audience before we take our leave? Uh, just that you guys are what make all of this happen and make all of this possible. And we so appreciate and all the energy you, you give us. It's wonderful.
it's that's I couldn't add anything other than have a safe and healthy uh, holiday season. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. As always, gentlemen, it's been my absolute pleasure to serve you both. Once again, thank you for joining us on the GalaxyCon virtual stage. Thank you to our audience for joining us. Thank you for your great questions. Hope to see everybody again soon. Have a great holiday. And until then, bye-bye. Take care. Oh, I love remember, the bats. 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 Bats.